0: Way, happy anniversary. This is Greg from Scotland. The last 10 years of my life I've listened to you guys, and you know, it's got me through some good times, some hard times, but it's been a constant. Thank you so much, and here's to the next 5, 10, 15 years.
2: Guys. Hi, John Way, and all the team over at Post Wrestling. Just want to say congratulations on the fifth anniversary. And want to also thank you for being a big part of my life over the last five years. And during the day, the house is completely empty. So I tended to leave Post Wrestling on all day. And whether it was an MCU review or a rewind away, anything like that, that I could just leave on all day. And if I went downstairs to make a cup of tea or coffee, I could just zone in for a few moments, forget about what was going on at work or in the world around me. But even just hearing what other people's stories were, we all had that common bond of wrestling. It's quite nice to have that sort of post-wrestling family, and that really meant a lot, especially during the early lockdown stage. I know I'm a little bit of a lurker on the forums and stuff, but again, I always listen to you on demand and just keep up the great work from here in the UK.
1: Get your tickets at postwrestling.com slash live this Saturday, November 19th at QXT's Nightclub, starting at 1 p.m.
2: The dynamite from the post-wrestling site AWU lighting up the fuse Sit back and enjoy the bubble. As we hear from John and Wei Tain Where we're going, we don't need roads And if the bug stops, here, yeah, this thing might blow Everything you hear opinions of the show And if you don't like it, go to the Forbes and let them know
1: Hello! It is John Pollock, the man who single-handedly saved this show this week, joined by Wei Ting, who tried to sabotage this broadcast tonight, but I would not let it happen.
0: Well, you know, John, we...
1: How how many minutes were we into that show?
0: Three, four minutes? I would say a good four. Some of the best banter we've ever
1: had, gone. It will never be heard from a...
0: Hey, we've only been doing this for, for five years. You know, you can't blame me for forgetting to hit the go live button once in a while, Okay. Um But thankfully, you caught it before we got into really any any um, heavy lifting. I, I I will say. Did you do any heavy lifting today with snow? Did you <laughs> oh. Shovel. I certainly did. Yeah. No. It it feels like the you know the uh, it was just fall and then winter just uh, overnight. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to replicate what we what we just talked about, and it's it's always awkward. So yeah, it's 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 really snowy outside. <laughs> way are we live <laughs> silence <laughs> this time we are yes
1: yes we got a lot of snow today in toronto it was uh we got snow on tuesday but it was it was not terrible it wasn't like uh crazy snow today was it was like crazy snow in the morning i had to, I had to go out at like seven thirty in the morning to to shovel and clear off our car it's like oh my god no oh, terrible the joys of being uh from Canada, why do you not live here? Not as bad as other places in Canada. We we don't, we don't have it so. You know, in Winnipeg, it's just. I mean, it's it's like minus fifteen year round there. I know I'm generalizing, and that's not true as I react to my my mentions tomorrow. But it's pretty cold in Winnipeg.
0: I think I think um, it only seems maybe bad for us because uh, of the interruption in our routine. You know, I I don't know necessarily to make time to shovel my driveway or or to, you know, give myself an extra five minutes to just get the snow off of my car. Whereas like people who might experience this sort of constant weather year round, one particular climate year round, I mean, you're kind of, you know, already used to it. It's the having to get used to it every single season that, you know, probably makes us complain about it so much. Well,
1: it's here. Winter has arrived. Um, We tonight will be going through dynamite, the go home edition heading into full gear which is going to be a very big weekend. You have plans this weekend, boy.
0: I think I do. Yes. I think I'll, I'll be uh, out of town actually. Yes. Um, hopefully,
1: hopefully the snowstorm that's going to hit Buffalo will, uh, hopefully we will, uh, avoid that.
0: Buffalo is pretty far. Yeah. I think, I I, I think we're good. I think, I think we'll be
1: okay. Uh, but yes, coming up this weekend, it is, it is full gear on Saturday night, but the main event this weekend is the post wrestling five year anniversary show. This coming Saturday, doors open at 1230, and then Braden and Davey will be taken to the stage at 1 o'clock for a huge game. This is going to be one of their biggest and best ever, so you will not want to miss this.
0: Not just a, a big game. I, I think a big announcement. What?
1: Have they bought a wrestling company? Have they signed somebody?
0: No. Oh, okay. I mean, we'll, we'll find out.
1: Okay. They're going to be making a Big announcement. Big announcement. Live in in the house is the only way you're going to hear about this. Uh, y- yes, yes, yes. They won't even tell us what it is.
0: I know it, but... Uh... Oh,
1: you know it. Okay. If they embargoed you, I'm, uh, I'm out of the loop. I might have an idea, but I don't know. So that's coming up on Saturday. And then uh, Wei and I will be uh, following them with a, a live Q&A. So if you're in attendance... Come with your questions, and we are going to be answering all of them this coming Saturday. VIP tickets also available, which allows you the special VIP meet-and-greet treatment right after the show. You'll get to leave with, with a T-shirt that says, Hey, I met John and Way," and this is the lousy T-shirt I got. I mean, it's it's a much nicer T-shirt than that, but it's uh well worth um coming just for the T-shirt alone. We'll have merch on sale, live band in the house. This is going to be a lot of fun. A lot of people that are going to be descending upon Newark from the post-wrestling universe. So we hope to see many of you there on Saturday. And I want to thank all the people uh, that have uh, sent in their voice messages over the last month. Um, I am going to be posting... All of them uh, later this week, all together, because I don't have enough spots, and I am sure people are maybe wearing thin of all of these uh, spots that I've filled into the shows. I've uh, no,
0: it. you never need an excuse to, you know, uh, put put positive uh, feedback for for us, John. You should include them into every single show from this point forward. I, I
1: feel comment. a little bit vain putting all of these in it's no. uh but, but nonetheless, it's a, my, my cap is at the, that's it. And I'm putting like three in a show, but I, I do truly appreciate, I've listened to all of them and uh, we'll, we'll post all of them up on the free feed. Uh, before the end of the week. So you can hear all of them. So if you submitted one and didn't hear it on the show, it will be uh, used and heard uh, by everyone. And we'll put the the whole unedited messages on there because I did have to uh, cut down many messages for time. So uh,
0: that's... And this this is also, of course, for the audio feed. Um, Those of you watching, I, I suppose you're not necessarily going to get those, but subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher. That is predominantly where most of our audience still is.
1: And uh, maybe this is going to be like a big Lucha event. Maybe we're going to have a big walk up. Uh, if so, post dot com slash live for last minute tickets. Um, VIP tickets are pretty much uh, just about gone, if not already gone. But uh, general admission tickets uh, still available. And that gives you the Braden and Davey experience. Uh, Q&A with us. We'll be up there for about 90 minutes and you get to mingle, hang out with a lot of listeners. And then you can head over to full gear and say, man. The night, the day started awesome with, with John and way. Let's see if AEW can top it. I mean, we're going to be setting, setting the bar high on Saturday afternoon.
0: I, I, I hope, I hope that we can live up to it. Will there be a post uh, five-year anniversary press conference? Uh, Maybe there will be, maybe, maybe Brandon
1: uh, Thurston is going to uh, come in with some cupcakes and then start fielding questions
0: okay all right well i'll i'll be sure to um, that's the Q and A portion
1: that'll that'll be our press conference maybe i'll maybe i'll bring some muffins okay uh, uh, mindy's uh you know uh sure we should have got magnolia go to magnolia okay uh so there you have it everybody that was our final promo for the fifth anniversary show coming up this this saturday uh also uh want to make note that the stars aligned on Tuesday night, the five brightest in the universe, all came together for the review of uh, Black Panther 2, Wakanda Forever. Uh, Way, you went to go see this film over the weekend, and look at this all-star panel. W.H. Park, Rich Fan, Nate Milton, and Scrump all joined by waiting as they all shared their thoughts. I mean, I would listen to you five talk about anything, much less a movie that I'm very, uh, I've not seen yet, but I did start listening to a bit of the review. So um, I've, I've, I've already been a, uh yeah, I've gotten my own sneak peek at
0: the. You've moment. been a little bit spoiled, okay. Well, that's all right, John. Um, yeah, I had so much fun just talking about this movie with uh all all, all four of these gentlemen and uh, all of them very knowledgeable. And I think all of us with our own sort of like little connection to, you know, um, the MCU and in particular this particular movie, Black Panther: Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Um, we actually put up. Uh, sneak preview segments pretty much like you know the first 15 minutes 10 to 15 minutes out on our free feeds both on the uh, podcast as well as our YouTube feed so if you want to go check that out you can go ahead Um, I will also say if you're an Apple podcast subscriber and if you want a free trial of the Post Wrestling Cafe you can simply go to uh, library, and then click on shows, and then click on post wrestling, and then you can join the the try free. I believe it says it's, there's a try free option, so you can sign up and uh, experience us seven days for free.
1: Wow! Well, there you go. What a what, what a great offer right there. Um, did you know? Well, maybe you you know.
0: Did you notice Kamara Usman's in the movie? Oh yeah. Oh okay. Did it come up? I it did not come up in our discussion, but I, I noticed him in, in okay. the movie. Yeah. I won't ask any How more did you questions. Because they showed the clip on the UFC pay per view on the weekend.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. They got an exclusive clip to to show and it yeah. doesn't seem like a giant role, but that's that's pretty impressive that he was He's, in it. he had a speaking line or yeah or yeah, two, yeah.
0: Very yeah, good. That's pretty him. cool for him. Yeah. That's cool.
1: All right. Uh so check that out. If you're a post wrestling cafe member, you can uh Jump on board uh, $6 to get to in the door for the cafe and uh, rewind away. We'll be coming back next week with NWA TNA from December of 2002. I was looking at the lineup today. Oh boy. NWA TNA never disappoints, especially in 2002. We're going to have everything from a chairs and chains match to the dichotomy of AJ Styles versus amazing red in 2002. So covering the gamut, Kurt Hennig challenging Jeff Jarrett for the NWA title. I mean, Jeff Jarrett, the eternal glue of professional wrestling eras. From one pay per view to another.
0: We really should just, you know, rename the show and and just dedicate it all to Jeff Jarrett's career. I mean, that is kind of the history
1: of professional wrestling is kind of built around Jeff Jarrett, it seems. So, uh, yes, all of that coming out. Uh, Patrons also Friday night. I'm looking forward to this. Kate from Montreal and Nate Milton coming together. Uh, They will be sitting in these seats, not these literal seats, but you get the drift for Rewind to SmackDown to chat about uh, Friday night show from SmackDown in Hartford. And then Rampage, a very interesting episode of Rampage that is coming up featuring the AEW in-ring debut of Jun Akiyama the night before Full Gear, where they will be at... At the Prudential Center, and then Saturday night—I don't know when, I don't know how—but we will have a full gear post show. I was doing the math in my headway. Mm-hmm. it's going to be a very late night on Saturday. That is my prediction, and I think we have a f- a decently early morning
0: on Sunday. So, um <laughs> oh yeah, I'm ready. I'm prepared, John. You know, between the Q and A in the morning, or I, I should say, one o'clock. Uh, but we'll have to start doing some prep in the morning until the press conference, um, and then the review afterwards. I mean, I'm I'm going to be up for quite a while. I'm sure.
1: Well, we w- we both will be. So it's going to be quite the weekend. Uh, that that is for sure. So look mm. out for that. The full gear post show. I'm not going to give a it time. It'll be late on on Saturday night slash yeah. well Sunday morning is realistically what it's uh, go- going to be. But that will be in your feed Sunday when you wake up. Hopefully,
0: your uh, fingers crossed and we'll probably still try to go live you know depending on how our internet connect connection is but um at some some this time this is in for the, a.m. this
1: is for our UK listeners okay this is our yeah. gift for you cuz it'll probably be breakfast uh, for all of you <sighs> all right let's get into uh, some of the news uh, We'll keep it short because we're going to do a preview of the pay-per-view after uh, we review Dynamite. But a few news and notes to go through. Uh, Tony Khan did put out a tweet that they are approaching a million-dollar gate for the fifth time this year. Uh, This would be after Double or Nothing, Forbidden Door, All Out, and Grand Slam. So really since May. Um, This one, they've passed the 900,000 mark, and they are... Doing what they did for the last one, I believe, where whoever is the one that purchases the ticket that puts them over a million gets some signed chair with everybody on the show. So it looks like they are within striking distance of another million-dollar gate, which is um, very impressive to have You know, the potential of five of these in such a short uh, time period, much less the entire year. And I'm kind of curious, wait as we finish off this show, um, are, are you expecting a show – that if if we look at the all out number, which was about one, I think the estimate is one hundred thirty seven thousand. If I'm not mistaken, are you going higher or lower uh, for one hundred thirty nine thousand from Russell Nomics? Was all out. Hmm. Are you going okay. higher and lower uh, this time around? A Punkless pay per view.
0: I'm gonna say lower, John. You know, I think CM Punk truly has that big of an effect on um, business. Um, I'm just not sensing as much. Buzz or at least positive buzz for for the company since all out. Um, and yeah, and that's pretty much all my justification. You
1: know, sometimes we have pay-per-views where it's like different things that you can look at. It's, it's to me, these are, it's two matches and, and, and really it's the title match and the elite. I think the elite could be with anybody, no disrespect to death triangle. It's, it's a great match, but it's the elite appearing and how much that meant. I thought they did the, I thought they handled it properly tonight. No, not leaving it ambiguous about whether they're going to be there, whether it'll be a match or not. They made it clear. So you mm-hmm. know what you're getting. And I think, I think you had to do that. You could not leave it vague for Saturday.
0: I don't know if you had to, John. I think they, they already made it pretty obvious, you know, for an audience that I think pays attention, but, um, it I don't think it was clear match. they were having a match.
1: I think like there was allusions to it. I think everyone knew they were showing up, but was it a match? And I right. thought tonight y- you could have argued they maybe could have even done this earlier, but you know, it's, it should be the big buzz for the last couple of days is the elite, which I think will will dominate the focus going into Saturday.
0: Agreed. Yeah. Uh,
1: moving on, we have the raw numbers from Monday. They did a million six hundred forty eight thousand viewers, a point four four in the demo, up three percent, which was actually pretty good considering they were against a stronger NFL uh, game. They were going against the uh, uh, the. The Eagles that were playing that were undefeated going into the game on Monday night. So um the fact that they were up against a stronger football game, um, that was you know, positive. The rest of the the show, it was really some small gains in most of their key demos. 18 to 34 was up four percent. The decline over the three hours was eighteen percent in viewership. And really it was just the usual third hour drop, very consistent through hours one and two, and then you had the, you know, uh uh the big drop in hour three, which is just the detail that we talk about every single Monday. So th- this to me was a very regular number. I don't have a whole lot to take from it. It was slightly up last week and had more competition. So I think you take that during football season of you know a a good number for for RAW. Cool. NXT was a more interesting number 633,000 viewers which was down 5% from last week however they were up 14% in 18 to 49 it was their highest in about a month it was their highest 18 to 49 since that show that they loaded up going against dynamite with the main roster and the big jump was among women in the key demo which were up 69% from last week and this was the highest this was the second highest number of women 18-49 to in the history of the NXT 2.0 era. This was its highest number since that second week of the rebranding. So, I... Like, this was a pretty loaded-up show. You had the Last Woman Standing match where Mandy Rhodes retained against Elba Fire. You kicked things off with Braun Breaker retaining the title against Von Wagner that, I would say, all things considered, uh, I did not have extremely high expectations for that match, and I thought for a Von Wagner match, it was perfectly acceptable uh for for what it was and then you also set up the the next contender with apollo Cruz and sean michaels had an announcement to to make which we will also discuss but yeah women 18 to 49 i mean dude sean michaels has an announcement they are there it,
0: it, do you think those things were were really the difference makers
1: I guess it was a combination but it's not like NXT has not had loaded up shows like this. This was not, you know, a big special. Like there were some sizable matches, but this was just um abnormally high and this was going against a NBA game, a college basketball game, and Fox News had big viewership with uh, Donald Trump making his announcement that he's running in 2024. So, you did have quite a lot going on otherwise, but the NXT rule, um, is undefeated that it doesn't matter what is happening out there. So I, I would say like it was just an extremely high number of, uh, of women 18 to 49. Men 18 to 49 were actually down 11%. So no, no correlation there. Um, and in Canada, it did, uh, on Sportsnet 360, 62,000 viewers, which was also its, its highest viewership in Canada since April. So. Some good news from NXT overall, even though their viewership in the US was down, um, their more important numbers uh, were up this week. So there was something to Tuesday night show. And if you tuned in for that announcement, it was uh, Shawn Michaels coming out. And uh, I want to get the the exact wording here of their match that they have announced. Uh, Many people will be familiar that it was uh, a match that sounded very familiar. To the past it is an iron survivor challenge matches that will take place at deadline. there will be a men 's and a women 's match so let 's get the uh, the exact rules here um, as written by Andrew Thompson so the match will be there's going to be five competitors in each match and they will enter in intervals once all five talents are in the ring they 'll have twenty five minutes to determine who can score the most falls. If one is pinned or submitted, they'll spend time in a penalty box. Remember, penalty box, folks, in a match stipulation. The wrestler with the most falls at the end of the 25 minutes will earn a shot at the NXT Championship or Women's Championship. Um, The way I read it was that it would be... The 25 minutes doesn't start when all five are in when all five are in. I think that time begins the match length is 25 minutes, I think. So it's actually more advantageous to be there early because you can then score falls. But you're also more tired by the end. You're also more tired by the end. You could also be. It's a very I've seen it working like this is very much like the king of the mountain match in TNA, where instead of you know that the concept was you had to pin someone and then you're eligible to climb the ladder and put the title on top but you've got to pin someone first and if you get pinned then you go into the penalty box so this is you pin it's the most pins wins and once you get pinned you go into the box
0: yes that is correct yeah um it can be a little convoluted as as i'm sure like most match types um are but the first time you hear about it but I'm actually kind of looking forward to it. I like the fact that they're not simply retreading, you know, something that's happened in the past. I don't think it's complicated to the point where it's a turnoff. I think it's, you know, you don't, you need a little bit of explain explaining. And I think you need sort of the first sample to really kind you of, need like, to you know, see it audience. because
1: it's the same as King of the mountain where that was the most, confi- it still is. It's the most confusing match to explain to people, but seeing it in practice, there were enough of those that worked, We'll see here in execution if, if this is one. What, one positive they have is, I'm not going to say this NXT crowd is the easiest crowd to work in front of, but it's just about. It's a yeah. crowd that just, they love everything. And- that is a great benefit when you have uh new things that you're trying out there's no fear of an audience
0: turning on a match from the true start. yeah but the this but the, the that's countered with the disadvantage of you know what looks to be i mean depending on the on the people that they pick out to to participate in the match you, you might be talking about a lot of you know inexperienced um people of course they're like you know you have your jd mcdonough's and whatnot that you know are are are, are more than you know Uh, veterans by this point but um, I'm also curious to know like who they're trusting to put into this match to test out this brand new concept because um, they're trying to sell a new property here is what they're doing with this first instance and and therefore I'm sure they really want it to be a success Um, man when did Shawn Michaels like turn to Jose Lothario
1: I mean this is how life works when you get older Like you, he's
0: not, uh, like uh, he's, he's getting older. I I know, man. I know. But you know what? He's like, I I, I like, I like him as a figurehead. You know, he, he's got um, all the credibility in the world and, um, you know, has, has made a name for, um, being the first of to, to do many different match types. So, all right, cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see it. And
1: this is that show. That's the same day as final battle. It's that really long day with the UFC pay-per-view in there, too. Okay, yeah.
0: We're kind of used to that by this point.
1: Progress Wrestling. They announced earlier this week that they would be going to Dubai in December. And this was met with a a lot of backlash because of uh, some of the uh, not-so-progressive laws uh, within the country. And there's a good rule to have out there. When your initial announcement is then followed up by a thousand word explanation as to why you're doing it that's probably a bad sign that's that's my overall rule right um i mean let let me read read it so yeah let 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 me read a bit this is i'm not reading the entire uh response that progress put out but this is like the the key portions of it progress wrestling has always prided itself on being slightly edgy, unconventional, and seen as a promotion that does not shirk any challenges. We want progress to be not only the best professional wrestling promotion it can be, but also a platform that can support and empower positive change. Our first show in Dubai sons and daughters in the desert in December sums up this challenge and the delicate approach we take, we need to take for a very sensitive issue. The opportunity to host an event in Dubai was taken with much consideration and planning and with the intention to provide our fans, both in the UK and across the world with the chance to watch our brand. We acknowledge this may not be an obvious place to host a progress wrestling show, but then again, we pride ourselves on not being an obvious promotion and we are always looking at new and exciting opportunities to continue to grow alongside keeping true to our roots and values. In the past 12 months, Progress has seen the new management team of Martin Best and Lee McAteer take over the company, and with the help and support from many behind the scenes and thousands of loyal fans and talented wrestlers, together we have helped restore the promotion after a very tough period for Progress with the combined impact of the pandemic and the background of speaking out. The opportunity arose for us to have a show in Dubai, fully funded by ourselves, not by any government or council, in which we can showcase our women's division on a global stage. Not only that, but we can build upon uh, Mo's efforts by not only having the first ever women's world championship match in the area, but having the show hosted by a woman. Um, Will Cooling at uh, Pro Wrestling Torch has also uh, written about this and has also written about the group they are partnering with, WrestleFest DXB. Um, which is run by an individual who has presented cards in the past that he noted with female wrestlers and LGBTQ plus performers. And it's unknown kind of what the relationship is between a uh, wrestle But, um, there's also like an involvement with the government run Dubai sports council. And from Will Cooling's, um, article, he, he kind of writes about this as well. Like what are the expectations of this Dubai sports council, um, Kind of being involved and, you know, potentially helping, uh, this show as well. It's, it's a story that, listen, I, I don't look at like progress as, you know, being, under the microscope anywhere close to a WWE, nor do I expect them to be making um, like we, d- we don't even know what they are getting from this. This is more so um, the story is more so just that there has been a lot of negativity in response to this from 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 the fan base as well enough that they felt the need to address it in this extremely uh, lengthy statement. But there, there's obviously their their business reasons for doing this and just what kind of response there will be to a, a show like this and you know, progress. They have certainly battled a, a lot of bad press over a number of years now, as we're talking about it. And this, this is kind of the, the first time with the new ownership, I would say like it's gotten a lot of attention on something.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, I'm sure a, a difficult situation for a company like theirs to be in. I mean, the name alone is, is progress. And I think therefore it's, it's probably an audience and a fan base that holds them to a different standard than, you know, most sports, um, entities or, uh, entertainment entities, I suppose. Um, I, I, won't really say much more. I haven't read the explanation yet, so we'll leave it at that.
1: And the final, uh, note that we have here is, uh, I believe that's everything. We have Israel Adesanya. Uh, Israel Adesanya. Yeah. So this story, uh, had just come out this afternoon. So this was, um, so Israel Adesanya was on his way back to, to New Zealand, and um, th- this is right from TMZ. So, Israel Adesanya was arrested Wednesday afternoon for criminal possession of a weapon at JFK Airport in New York City, TMZ Sports has learned, after the UFC superstar was allegedly busted while going through security with metal knuckles. The arrest was made by the Port Authority Police Department near the TSA screening area near the American Airlines terminal around 1.57 p.m. Brass knuckles are illegal in the state of New York. It's also illegal to carry them on your person or in your carry-on bag. So make note of this way when we're traveling this weekend. Um, it's unclear when, where the alleged brass knuckles were stored and it's unclear if cops will issue Adesanya a desk appearance ticket or if he'll remain in custody. And then there was an update later in the day from his manager, Tim Simpson, who gave a statement to TMZ. Israel was handed a gift by a fan, which he put in his luggage. When flagged at the airport, Israel quickly disposed of the item and cooperated with authorities. He has complied accordingly with that. The matter was dismissed, and he is on his way home. So it looks like there's no outstanding issue coming from this. So another rule, along with the length of a, of a response to your initial statement, do not just blindly take gifts from fans and put them into your baggage uh, as you are about to get on a plane. What fan just gives a concealed weapon to a fighter? Sorry, as, what, was, what was the weapon? Brass knuckles.
0: Oh, okay. Brass knuckles. Like, that's, a, mean- that's,
1: a, that's an odd gift to give someone, isn't it? Uh, Is mean, they're it, about
0: to tra- travel back home overseas? Well, we don't know the reason. I mean, if I don't know, maybe maybe it was it's for a prop from a movie that he really loves. Um, I don't think it's that unusual for for a UFC fighter to receive a gift like that, but probably a bad idea right before getting on a plane.
1: Okay, it's
0: a hell of a prank to pull on somebody. Uh, it would be yeah if they I, I suppose if they didn't realize it. I mean, how many brass knuckles do you think William Regal gets? You know, from from fans. How does he travel? Yeah, maybe maybe this can be worked into uh, some kind of future
1: angle with, with Regal and, like, he plants something on, like, MJF or something at the airport.
0: Mm. Well, I mean, he, he, MJF's weapon of choice is a ring. They're not checking him for that.
1: Well, it looks like this uh, this all ended fine for uh, Israel Adesanya, who he ended up doing, like, the media rounds on Monday after his title mm. loss. I listened to most of it. It was uh, very interesting to hear him, like, very level-headed about the loss on, on Saturday, not um, – It was just interesting to hear because sometimes like we've seen fighters that it's just, you know, it's it's a devastating um, life event for them when, you know, you suffer such a significant loss. And he kind of just hit the ground running on Monday in New York and did a bunch of interviews like lengthy sit downs and hasn't watched the fight back yet. But I am sure it seems very much they are leaning towards the rematch with uh, Alex Pereira, which will be a a pretty big rematch to, to do as a. You know, Adesanya. This is going to be the opponent. I think most are going to link him with. It's like become his big career rival now that he has three losses between his kickboxing and now MMA loss to him. This Saturday, post wrestling turns five years old.
2: Hey guys, Nav here. Big fan of post wrestling. You guys are a big part of my life. I start my day with you guys. You guys keep me company while I do the dishes and keep doing what you're doing it's truly best in class when it comes to pro wrestling journalism and it's
1: an honor to be a part of your community
0: hi john Hi, Way. it's imran from huddersfield you usually hear me singing to you at christmas
2: time but uh, you get my normal speaking voice today uh, wrestling is not my biggest passion in life uh, and yet your patreon is the only patreon i subscribe to in terms of podcasting um, it's well worth the money and i do it just for you guys for your banter for your content uh, so i can hear you guys every week it great joy thank you
1: join us this saturday at qxt's nightclub 248 mulberry street in newark new jersey starting at 1 p.m the largest gathering in the history of post wrestling live music and a vip meet and greet and event t-shirt postwrestling.com slash live for tickets all right that is all of the news you can find it all at postwrestling.com and now we move on to dynamite from Bridgeport, Connecticut at the Total Mortgage Arena, the TMA. Okay. Tonight, um, as of Monday, WrestleTix had noted about 3,000 tickets out for the show. So this was almost half of what they drew at their last Dynamite here back in February. So this was a, you know, you're pretty much cutting it in half. They did about 6,000 the last time uh, they were here, and that's you know, that is nine months apart in, in between shows here in Bridgeport. Granted, there are, you know, surrounding areas, but, um, attendance down here in Bridgeport for the go home show. And it's Excalibur, Taz, and Shivani with Ian Ricciabani out for the first match, which is Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara against Brian Danielson and Claudio Castagnoli. It starts with a brawl on the floor and Guevara goes back to the eye of Danielson that they are playing up, uh, very significantly from Brian Danielson's uh, previous torn retina years ago. And now the attack from their match last week. And they take over with Danielson. They do the Spanish God pose and then Jericho grabs the bat and uh, he goes to use it on Danielson as they go to picture in picture on Danielson. Profile. And then uh, we have Castagnoli in the ring landing spinning uppercut onto Jericho kicks him off preventing the walls. And then it's Guevara in with the super kick, stopping the swing Danielson, then posts Guevara and the missile drop kick breaks up the walls. Danielson's chest is all red here. And then Guevara ducks, a head kick goes for Danielson's eye. And then the GTH gets blocked. He's put into the labella gets the rope. And then from there we see a lion salt by Jericho Claudio's in and then a huge pop-up uppercut to Sammy Guevara. Danielson with the suicide dive. And as Jericho is clutching onto the bat, Castagnoli gives him the big swing as Jericho is holding the bat for the entire duration of the swing, goes for the sharpshooter and takes the bat away from Jericho, applies the sharpshooter and submits Chris Jericho in 17 minutes and 58 seconds. The second time now that Claudio has beat Chris Jericho on television. So going, um, very hard here with with Castagnoli eventually building to this ROH title match with Jericho, which I have to imagine is your main event for final battle and probably not the person you were assuming would take the uh, take the loss in this match.
0: Um, no, no. But I mean, certainly productive and um, maybe, you know, the textbook thing that um, uh, somebody would do, uh, you know, en route to try to build a, a rematch with with the challenger. Um, I thought it was a very good opener. You know, very active paces as as is usual with AEW and in particular, any pairing of the Blackpool Combat Club. That sort of relentless, like, you know, I'm going to like, I'm not going to take any sort of breaks and and just kind of, you know, beat you up. Um, Good interactions between Sammy and Brian as well here. So, um, you know, I'm not that excited, I have to say, for, you know, this four-way happening. Um, But I do get the sense ultimately it's, it's more of sort of like a bridge towards Final Battle than anything else.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be a pretty great match on on the weekend. Um, it's not one of the featured matches on the show, but I, I could see this delivering in a big way. I, I thought it was a really nice tag and a lot of focus on, on Castagnoli. So I, I thought that this was... I, I guess I'm... I'm kind of tired of a lot of these match layouts where it's so much is about protecting the guy that's losing that here they had the conviction to just, we're building up Claudio, Jericho's going to lose, there's a purpose for it, and there's not going to be any shenanigans to it. He's just going to get a solid win over an established, a very established guy in Chris Jericho. So I I thought this was very effective for building up uh, Castagnoli now with these wins over Jericho. We go to a... Black and white homemade film by one Darby Allen where there is a concert and someone in a body bag that is crowd surfing and it ends up in a car, it unzips and there is Darby. And who's behind the wheel? But it's Sting, who says, Full gear, it's showtime. And that's our that's our go home promo from Sting. Four words.
0: Just another weekend. In Darby Allen's life and um, chaperoned by Sting, you know, so that was kind of cool. There's also like a guitar that was broken. So um, a typical sort of like, I don't know, uh, art school (laughs) type of uh, feelings, you know, from Darby Allen here. It looked really cool. I I think I think he's got some of the best videos. And then we heard from Lethal Dutt Singh and Jeff Jarrett. Jarrett mentioning that they
1: had their first meeting 24 years ago. I thought they would have met in, like, Memphis in, like, the mid-'80s. But maybe they're, I don't Guess know. they never crossed the paths. Um, yeah. When was 24 years ago? That was... Uh, 98?
0: Yeah, 98. They were in different companies. Didn't Jared have a... When did Jared have his first stint in WCW? He, not till
1: it, He was there in 96, but he was gone by 97. And that was oh, the year Sting that. wasn't wrestling.
0: Uh, could it have been 97 then? Is that what he means? Are we rounding here? Uh, could it have been 99? I know they met, they met in like Memphis in like
1: the eighties. So, um, that would have been like their first meeting. Um, anyway, um, this was our <laughs> promo. He just kind of yelled and then he went after a PA guy off camera. So
0: there wasn't much to this. He says it won't be showtime. It'll be the last time Was where he went. Yeah. Okay.
1: The acclaimed came out. And uh, Max Castor rapped about um, they're going to get burned like Jay Leno, which I thought was like a kind of lame line to use, like immediately after this guy has like suffered like a, a horrific injury. I'm not even aware what ha- what happened. He was working under his car. And it lit on – there was a gasoline fire, and it burnt his face. And he's got – like, he's hospitalized wow, really? with, like, third-degree burns. This only happened, wow. like, two days ago. I just thought it was, like, a tasteless line to use, and I just thought it was, like, lame to Like, yet Shivani, like, interject during the match to actually wish Jay Leno well that he's doing okay and everything. And, mm-hmm. you know, he was a great guy when I worked with him in 98. I just thought it was, like, a really off-putting line when the guy is, like,
0: literally in a hospital right now recovering from a – like – Oh, it could have been a fatal injury. I, I'm not going to, you know, argue against that. Um, it's Max Caster, though. You know, he's ha- sort of made a name for, like, really kind of to- towing the line on on that sort of thing. And sometimes um, he goes too far.
1: Then they introduced the music video, which was highlighted by Paul White returning as Captain Insano. And they recreated the scene from The Water Boy. Um, which was the prelude to the music video "A Hand for a Hand." What did you think of the music video?
0: Um, I I like the song. I liked some of the lines in the song. You know, um, he kind of went after um, swerve. Um, you know, they did more than two in two years in your whole career. Uh, talked about how swerve had family in the dirt sheets. I think it was meant to be a reference to Will Washington. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, I thought it was an entertaining little you know video segment from these two. What did you think? It, it was fine. Like they, it seemed like a
1: lot of people were very like excited about the Captain Insano thing, which um, I, I would imagine this is probably a target audience that would um, that that kind of uh, reference from. Now that was twenty four years ago in nineteen ninety eight, so maybe mm-hmm. uh, maybe Sting and Jarrett went to go see the water board. um Yeah, I would say like it's it's a pretty, um, yeah. It's Captain Insano. I don't know. I I I don't know what to say. It was like okay, cool. Mm -hmm. It was fine. Swerve and our glory are out, and Billy Gunn he's out for blood with Swerve. He goes after him, and this leads to him and Max Caster being ejected, and that takes us to our match with Anthony Bowens and Swerve Strickland. And Bowens sent over the guardrail. They go through the break. Bowens' uh, mouth is busted open, and then Swerve at one point has an armbar is doing push-ups off of Bowen's body, delivers a brain buster, the swerve kick, and then snaps the arm with his foot, hits the swerve stomp, Bowen's kicks out, and then continues to attack the arm before finishing him with the JML driver in 935. So the idea here is that Bowen's will be going into this match injured with a bad right shoulder, which uh, the template for that first match was you know, him overcoming a knee injury. So I think they're just going to change up the body part, and that formula worked Wonders in that first match, which obviously they are out to recreate on
0: Saturday. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're talking about this version of Swerve Strickland, you know, in, in the time over the past um, several you know uh, months that these two teams have been feuding, I feel like Swerve has just really, really created that much more of of this sort of devious, you know, uh, methodical professional wrestling heel and i thought that was perfectly exemplified in this particular match where his offense is very technical focusing on a body part but he does it with this sort of like sadistic you know a kidnapper energy that he had you know in that backstage vignette just carried into the rings here so i he continues to be to be the mvp of this entire program and i'm quite excited to see what he has to offer tomorrow or i should say saturday
1: if you go to my news update today, I have the odds for Saturday's pay per view. Do you know that the acclaimed are the biggest favorites on this entire show? They are something like a
0: minus two thousand
1: favorite to retain their titles on Saturday. Wow,
0: really? Uh, yes. I'll take I'll take the I'll take those odds. Yeah, I don't think that's a sure thing at all. You know what? They're tied.
1: Them and Jade Cargill are minus two thousand favorites, so they are the biggest favorites. Which um,
0: what? explain that to me? Like, how, how come they they believe that? they're going to win the match. Yeah. I mean, I see just as much reason to give. Swerve you, you've
1: got Keith to bet two grand to win a hundred dollars.
0: Like I see as much reason to give Swerve and Keith Lee that, that um uh the win, you know, coming off of this. Um I don't know. I, I, I just, it just, it wouldn't be one that stood out to me that, that much. All right.
1: Uh We can go over the odds later. If you're, if you so desire, Shivani brings out Samoa Joe. And Joe said he refuses to be a victim and he took action when someone said that they were going to go after something of his in reference to Wardlow saying he was going to win all the titles in the company. Wardlow ran his mouth each week and Joe is the most dangerous man in the room. So Wardlow paid the price. I won't wait around to be a victim like most of these people in the building who it was like at that moment in the promo, like, oh, okay, we're supposed to boo you and he's not going to wait for someone to save them. I saved myself. So powerhouse Hobbs comes out, challenges Joe to a fight. Wardlow comes up next. And then the whole locker room empties to separate the three. And the big spot is Wardlow hitting a Topekan hero. And we're going to have a three-way at the pay-per-view with the TNT title being the title that is defended. Mm.
0: Yeah. Um. I think for something that was a, a breakup of a team, it, this uh, feels kind of cold to me. You know, Um. I don't, know if they really spent that much effort in establishing the hatred between Joe and Wardlow beyond, um, Wardlow's, you know, stepping into frame and that key line last week about wanting to win all the championships. Um, I guess I just don't really buy the hate, hatred between the two. And, and it just seems, seems more like they rushed this turn just as a way to get Samoa Joe a singles match on, on the show. Um, but you know, I'm sure the match will be interesting.
1: Then we had this very interesting promo from Britt Baker. She is on camera by herself in the backstage area and says that Soraya stared in her eyes four times telling her she wasn't a star and had only been on TV for three years. But Baker says in those years, I've gone from nervous to confident and a tenacious face of this division. I became a leader and a leader is where you take all the blame when everyone else receives the credit. I wasn't handed anything that you weren't. I was given an opportunity, I ran with it, and I became undeniable. No, I didn't wrestle at Madison Square Garden, but I did wrestle at Daly's Place in Jacksonville for over a year when the fans couldn't come to them. We kept the fire burning, and that's an era that you'll never know. I respect you fighting addiction, Soraya, coming back from a neck injury, and you paved the way, but this business owes you nothing. It's moved, and... And you will not belittle me or my accomplishments. All the blood, sweat, and tears because you're stuck in the past. I'm the heart, soul, and pulse of AEW. Soraya thinks she's above that. Well, she can get the hell out because this is my house. Now, on its own, I thought this was a phenomenal promo. What the desired reaction is on Saturday, I have no clue because... (laughs) All all I could think of after this is, like, Soraya better have the promo of her life later in the show. She did not. And, I like, this to me just sets it up. Like, here is, like, the entitled outsider, and Britt is, like, our home team representative on Saturday that they are, like, begging for, like, this reaction that, like, it's going to be Baker coming in as the sentimental favorite against Soraya. It's it's a really odd dynamic when this is Soraya's comeback match. Like, this to me was, like, the easiest comeback story and this promo like it was great don't get me wrong but i just don't know what you're expecting on saturday other than like pushing the audience against Soraya when this should be like her big return
0: i thought it was a great babyface promo but an absolutely terrible heel promo you know unless they're going ahead with this and they're doing you know this sort of double turn heading into the the the, the match on Saturday which would be a terrible idea for somebody coming this off of this
1: comeback
0: this neck like, injury
1: I feel like turning Sean yeah. in the lead up to the Hunter return like you're not even there she hasn't even come back yet
0: Right. Yeah. So I don't think that's the intended direction. And I think what's happening here is just, again, uh, a lot of talents getting a lot of free reign to uh, script their promos. And it feels like maybe it's just Britt Baker coming off of Soraya's promo from last week, finding the weak points and the fallacies in Soraya's lines and pinpointing them into what she felt to be a natural response. Unfortunately, it's completely counterproductive to the program that they're trying to build. You know, she... Sorea, I thought you know to a lot of people I think had a very good promo last week. She certainly got into you know a lot mm-hmm. of uh real uh um real- real reasons why you know this was such a an important moment for her, but I think there were missteps in her promo where she you know, the key lines with being, you've only been here for three years, you haven't done anything in this business. Well, that can very easily be misconstrued as somebody saying you've only been in AEW, not the WWE, and therefore you aren't a star. And Britt in this one just really kind of like honed in on that and, and just kind of, you know, blew that up. And it resulted in this great rallying cry for people that are fans of AEW cheering for the hometown player. In, in Britt Baker, the person who came up under their, their watch, uh, citing Daly's place, you know, which uh, has sort of become, you know, the, the, the mecca of, of AEW. Um, it seemed like a pretty easy counter response from Britt Baker in order to heat up the program. But unfortunately, the heat was directed in the wrong direction. And it was very detrimental, I felt, to the program overall.
1: Yeah, I, I think that this match is going to be. Like one of the most focused upon on the entire card because I don't think people know what to expect on in in this match, and you've now just added the the crowd dynamic as one of the questions on top of it. Like it's not even yeah. a, a guarantee that you are going to have like a strict baby face heel dynamic here because this to me really muddied things going into Saturday.
0: Yeah, I get the sense that like the 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 real life story of Soraya is going to be you know strong enough that despite. What they saw on TV, they will still treat Saraya like this is her, you know, big triumphant comeback moment. And they should, you know, there are, there are real life circumstances involved here that I don't think creative as maybe unsatisfying. And let's be honest, for me, bad as it was leading up to this match um, will, you know, um, change. Um, but I, I will say this promo tonight certainly didn't help things whatsoever. This was a fantastic promo for a different
1: phase of her career.
0: and putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Death
1: Triangle against AR Fox and top flight for the trios championship the return of Darius Martin after a really terrible car wreck back in uh, April I believe it was so and that was after he had been out for thirteen months with his uh, knee injury so I mean he has had uh, nothing but bad luck these last two years but here he is um and look looked fine in the match like this this was a, a really enjoyable uh, trios match uh, AR Fox got to shine quite a bit in this uh, in. Uh, we we see him in with Pack and kicks off the post from the apron into a moonsault on the floor. Follows that with a senton atomico, and then Pack gets flung into the air out of the corner into a cutter by Fox. Uh, Darius then kicks off Phoenix for a Tornado DDT onto Pac. There's the big springboard high cross by Dante to the floor. And then Fox delivers a, a springboard into an inverted splash to the floor and then bounces off the top into a one-man Spanish fly on Phoenix. From there, it's the fear factor on Fox. And Phoenix dives to the floor. Pack hits the black arrow on Fox and pins him in 11 minutes and 33 seconds. I, I thought this was uh, a lot of fun. And I thought that AR Fox like really looked looked good in this match he got a lot of focus as you typically see when somebody is out there as sort of the um the the non-roster guy that they kind of let shine and that seemed to be the case here with ar fox
0: absolutely yeah i mean I, I would love to see this trio continue um i appreciate the fact that i think um they you know gave both air fox and darius this sort of like you know pretty good spotlight on tv in a title is it was it was it a title match was it yeah it was a title match oh uh. I guess I guess you don't necessarily have to have any wins um prior to earn a title shot for a trios championship but that's that's okay that's that's not here or there uh, but you know I I I don't know I I kind of feel like there was missing um story here to be told with Darius you know um on on the comeback after you know two uh, terrible injuries um mm-hmm. that that really kind of you know derailed his, his career I thought there was a lot of um interesting story potential that might have they might have missed out on and and I hope they focus on it a- after the fact because um this was a good reintroduction to him a good reintroduction to top flight and I also like the fact that like you know I know the death triangle were are teasing a heel turn with that cheating gimmick but I'm glad they didn't feel the need to tease it again here because they were facing a lower level team you know um this all all this needed to be was just a good showcase match for them so that they could make the challenge to the elite later
1: Yeah, I I think A.R. Fox, he's a great talent. I would love to see him get picked up by somewhere. Um, I, I don't know if like AEW would be that automatic fit just because like, like, would he like this? This is just a roster that's so, so deep that I mean, would this guy be someone that just would get lost?
0: Yeah, I don't necessarily expect him to get a great role. I mean, did the Trustbusters need another body? Like, then maybe he'd be a great fit. But at this point, I I even Bandito, dude. Like, what they made a big deal out of his signing online, but on TV, he's just another guy. Do you realize it was four weeks ago that the Kingdom debuted? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can I can understand that they might be saving them for Ring of Honor. Um Yeah, I don't know, dude. There are a lot of people. Yes. Pac gets onto the microphone
1: and asks, do you think the death triangle are stupid? We know what's going on. We've seen the videos so they can see them. But the commentators have not been able to see them at all. They've never referenced them on TV. They've never reacted to them. So Pac has uh, the special powers that all of us viewers possess. And he's heard the rumors. What rumors? And if there are certain individuals who think they can make their return this Saturday and best them, well, that's ridiculous. And the fans start chanting elite. And if you want some this Saturday, then please bring the heat because death triangle runs from nobody. And with that, Another elite video starts to air and we get a full gear graphic with death triangle and then a blank side of the screen and then the images of Kenny Omega and the young bucks appear and Pac says, great, we've been waiting for them. And there they are. They are back. Never an explanation of where they've been all this time, why they were gone, but they are back. They are back way from mysterious circumstances. Um, They they. Disappeared in the thin air, and now they have been. All their particles have been reattached, and they are back in human form.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think. I mean, so much of what feels like our criticism about the company is that they're they're not making that much effort to cater to the fan that that isn't online, that isn't following these stories. Um, I think I, I probably just have to get used to the fact that you know this continues to be a product that it is entirely for people that listen to this podcast, people that are on the internet, people that are on Twitter, people that are, you know, on message boards and follow every single story. Essentially, Tony Khan, you know, he's booking this type of product for himself. People who know who A.R. Fox is or have at least heard of him. People who know that Eddie Kingston has always wanted a dream match against Junakiyama. I feel like that, is a bit more pronounced, you know, when when they're kind of unknowns. With the elite and CM Punk story, I, I get the sense that it's big enough that you could have done something like this without that much explanation and people I, didn't realize.
1: I agree. I think I think just about everyone knows the story. I I would argue though that. <laughs> That makes it even more silly that you won't acknowledge it in any way. You won't state – you won't say a thing about it. And it will be interesting because Tony Khan is doing a, a media call on Thursday, and I'm sure this will be brought up by by many people, and what his tact will be. Because he has to know that this is going to be the major topic going into the weekend and out of the pay-per-view. is the return of these three. And it's like – I'm not saying that you have to give every last detail and your findings of the, the investigation. But – what investigation you have not even even so much as stated there was one like it's nothing and i think for him to go into this weekend with the no comment philosophy and i I just think it's just like what do you think of your fan base that like they all know the story but you can't even state the most non-threatening basic statement that would would be satisfying
0: for him to say that would would make a difference though
1: there was a backstage incident of which we put together an investigation that was run by X, and this was our finding, and this is – they are back
0: on, on television. Like, something. Anything. And you're saying this just for the benefit of the, of the fan that isn't aware of, of this stuff? I am saying it just from the
1: standpoint of the company that I think you have projected this beyond paranoia of – showing the least amount of transparency in, in, in what has been a major story in the company's history, and you won't even address it or even give credence that it happened.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it, him saying it to me, like him saying something like like what you suggested or not saying, I feel there's accountability on
1: the part of Tony Khan and the company, and I feel that by just not answering anything... I just think it's like at at some point, like there is some responsibility,
0: I feel, on the company's part to at least give. What's the the, accountability? Just like, but but would mentioning it be be accountability or or saying that you did an investigation is. is,
1: I think answering questions. I
0: I think that that's part of it. I think you are inviting
1: media and I feel that that is going to be a major topic. And I think there is there are answers that that you can give that Mm -hmm. are at least acknowledging the elephant in the room. Rather than like, it listen, it, there's no law that says they have to comment. They don't have to. Um, but I, I just think it's like it's it's bizarre to me that it they will not even acknowledge like just the basics of this. Like this would just not fly if there was like some incident. Um, imagine this happened uh, with an NHL team that they would not acknowledge anything.
0: I don't know I, I I don't really you know follow hockey too much to to be able to say um i suppose to for me like the fact that he chooses not to comment is enough of a statement on its own you know like it tells me how how sensitive he considers this and how um I don't know how um perhaps um scared. He might be of repercussions of simply saying one thing or the other that somebody might misconstrue that headlines and, and people reading the headlines might, 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 might misconstrue. Um, I, I, I feel like I already know enough about the situation, whether or not he officially comments on it. So the match is
1: set. I thought this was set up really well, though. I thought like mm-hmm. make it clear that the match is happening, and and I think it is going to be. I, I feel by Saturday, this is going to feel like the main event to people, even above the title match. Like I think that is going to be the big focus of the pay per view is their appearance. And where and where yeah. where do you put this on the card? Do you put this second second last?
0: Um. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I I forget if they like do buffer matches too often, but yeah, you can you can say this for second last, and I think still retain enough interest in the main event itself. Sure, yeah, it can honestly go anywhere, probably towards the latter half of the show.
1: Ricky Starks responds to the attack by Lance Archer, and this week on Rampage, he'll be facing Lance Archer, and he wants the match to start backstage. So they're going to be doing the quarterfinal match on on Friday, and I don't know what the plan is. I would guess that the semifinal match would happen maybe on the pre-show on Saturday, and then the winner has to wrestle twice on Saturday because you got to do the final
0: on the pay-per-view. They were pretty ambiguous about it all, um, I and I think a lot of people were questioning whether or not the finals will actually take place at the pay-per-view because I don't think Excalibur mentioned it in his rundown, but they, that's where they've, they've been advertising it this entire time, so um, yeah, maybe we need a bit more clarity on that. Ethan Page against
1: Bandito in the semifinal. Page cuts a promo and then gets booed and calls the people in Bridgeport simple, basic-ass civilians. And he's walking through Bandito to become the number one contender this Saturday and will be the next champion. So, I mean, his promo, he said, it's Saturday.
0: Okay, you're right. Yeah. Um. So you're right. And they have to fit that in somewhere.
1: I mean, you could also do, like, where Archer and um, Ricky Starks have some brawl and there's no finish, and Cage gets a bye. You could do that. You or you just have could. the guy, re- or you but, have the guy wrestle uh, twice on sa- on Saturday.
0: I mean, you could, but logically, like, you know, what what is Tony Khan thinking in kayfabe at this point in time? You know, he doesn't know that they're they're gonna be DQ'd or or get a buy or something.
1: I think you do the story of Starks like escaping the match with Archer. He's beaten down, but he prevails, and then he's gotta win two matches as the underdog on Saturday. And he gets mm-hmm. through Cage and then has to go against Brian uh Ethan Page later. So he's gotta go through Cage and Page.
0: Cage and Page, yeah. Cool.
1: So uh their match here, um Big vertical suplex by Bandy. I thought Bandy looked great here. He did the, uh, the moonsault off the ring post to the floor hits a tornillo in the ring and then goes to the 21 plex, but page holds the rope, comes back with a cutter and then tries the avalanche Ego's edge, but it's countered with a super Rana that looked phenomenal. One arm military press and frog splash by bandito. And then he gets knocked off balance off the top flying shoulder block by page. And he hits a regular Ego's edge for the win in nine minutes, eight seconds. So Ethan page goes to the final and, um, Yeah, I think this whole tournament has been built around Ethan Page, but I watched this and it was like, man, Bandito, I I would love to see a Bandito singles match on on Saturday's pay-per-view,
0: but not the case. I'm okay without, I'm okay waiting until, you know, Wednesday, because there are enough matches on this show. And and he's a spectacular performer, but beyond, I think, great wrestling for Bandito, I want to see a proper introduction. I want to know who this guy is. I want to know why he's called Bandito or like, you know, just something about about the man's history. I, I again I know this is a promotion that like is catering to people who already know who Bandito is. It's catering to people who uh really just maybe care more about the in-ring than the actual personality stuff. I contend that I think you benefit by you benefit everybody by at least giving us some sort of personality piece. And beyond that, I think this guy's in need of strong wins at this point you know he's at three matches thus far in aew he has lost two of them and one of them the one he won last time he needed interference to defeat roosh so on paper the booking has been pretty awful but nonetheless he is the type of performer that you just give him airtime. you just you just give him ring time and the man will get over i just feel like they could do even more you know when you have a guy with those gifts you can turn him into a superstar if you give him the video packages, if you let him or teach him or get him to cut promos, if you give him a proper storyline and if you give him prominent wins. So I hope they, t- they take advantage and he doesn't just get lost.
1: I know you need star power in this tournament, but there were certainly people I think you could have put into this tournament and held off on Bandito till after full gear for for that proper introduction. Like that's how high I think of this guy that mm. I don't think he should have just been an also ran in the tournament. Agree. Renee is with Soraya and Soraya says she feels fantastic. Never thought that this would happen, but she's sick of this back and forth with Brit. She chose to be here and beat the best. And the best is Brit Baker and doesn't want to talk about it anymore. She's going to see her at full gear.
0: And that was it. Yeah. You you really said it earlier, John, you know, she really needed something strong here to counter the Death blow that Britt Baker gave her. This was um, a ten eight. Yeah. Oh man. And, and unfortunately, you know, whether it be due to lack of time or or what, like she really only had like fifteen seconds here. So I don't really blame her too much. But she did. She said nothing of substance to you know change my mind about if I was you know an AEW fan who I should be cheering for. But it's again too bad because she's got such an easy story to tell. It's like you know I I've, I've been away. I've clawed my way back, and you're not gonna you know ruin that for me. But again, by the time the, the bell rings, I think reality will set in and I think the audience will realize, okay, this is a really magical moment for this person who's really fought through so much to get back here. Yeah, the the way this should have been structured is
1: that Baker got the big promo last week and could almost characterize Soraya as this big shot who thinks she's all this because she's been to all these arenas like paint her as like this. And then this week we get the promo from Soraya that we heard last week where he's like, yeah, I've gone to Madison Square Garden and all these big buildings. But I started off in Norwich, England, where I was hit by a car. And that's and cut that promo this week to counteract all of those accusations from last week. I think that would have been a much stronger way to build this up and both get their big promos. But one is a heel promo. And one is that, that great babyface underdog. Um, story of Soraya that sent her into the comeback match,
0: or even Soraya saying, "I've been into to, to all, all those places. I've wrestled in the Tokyo Dome, uh, but the only place that matters is the Prudential Center because this match means more to me than any of those." You know, like th- th- they could have they could have gone to a lot of I think you know better directions for um for this program, and and a lot of it by the end tells me that I don't know if they have much planning. Um, foresight, like, you know, for an overall story, it really feels to me like it, they've just kind of been kind of been going week by week, you know, trying to figure out something rather than having like one strong narrative to guide them through it all. So, yeah, I've been quite disappointed in this reintroduction to Sorea.
1: Then we had 30 seconds of Eddie Kingston and Ortiz to preview Friday's tag match with Junakiyama and Kanosuke Takeshita. Ortiz states... I actually feel nervous because of I'm getting in the ring with this legend Akiyama and this dynamic up and comer in Takeshita. Eddie Kingston rattles off May first, 1998, Hiroshi Hase versus Jun Akiyama at the Tokyo Dome, the actual Tokyo Dome, as the match that he chose. I have to fight Junakiyama one day and now he gets his match on Friday. This was like the best 30 seconds you could possibly ask for to set up this match on, on Friday. It was awesome. And I think we have our pick for the next, for the return of Eddie Kingston on the long and
0: winding royal road sure yeah absolutely i think we should have a category for the end of year awards for best 10 second promo here you know this was a promo for the tiktok generation here and you kind of have to be good at that if you're on aew because in most cases especially if you're a rampage wrestler you're only going to get 10 seconds to tell to tell your story and he took advantage of these 10 seconds to tell the this man's story um it's going to mean a whole lot more i think if you you know know how how much eddie kingston respects the the, uh, all japan pro wrestling from from the 90s of course um but if you didn't i i was at least satisfied that number one they had made mention of, of it number two they actually had akiyama on camera here you know at least showing you uh,
1: yeah they they had a quick uh tape interview segment with the with him and takeshta on that they actually did cut
0: yeah, yeah. So it was a very good 10 seconds from Eddie, a very good 30 seconds overall. <laughs> yes, it was an awesome 30 seconds.
1: I'm. Mm. We've got plans on Friday, but man, if we didn't, I would have been going to Rampage for this. Uh, th- this is certainly – this is a hell of a way to book a Rampage for the night before a pay-per-view to reel people in. Tony Storm and Anna Jay, title eliminator. So Anna Jay was replacing the bunny who was uh, sick and uh, could not be uh, on the show. Uh, Anna Jay's playing with her at the start and then there's a headlock takeover by Tony Storm fisherman suplex and then the hip attack sends Jay off the apron Jay sends her into the steps and hits a gory bomb to Storm and then goes for the Queen Slayer it's blocked shotgun dropkick running hip attack and uses a Texas Cloverleaf to submit her in 7 minutes and 8 seconds so Tony Storm gets the submission win and then Jamie Hayter came out goes face to face with her former roommate yells about who was late on the rent who did the dishes and then there's a shove by hater and she leaves with baker and rebel no real physicality here but this is our our final uh face off before the match
0: yeah and i don't think they needed much more by this point you know they've told the story um i'm looking forward to the match and, and i think you know the the rem- uh, reminder that these two are going to have a match is really all you needed. It's too bad the Bunny couldn't make it. I, I know she was, you know, really looking forward to having this particular showcase. So I hope she gets it uh, whenever she's healthy again. But I thought Anna Jay stepping in here kind of late notice was another look at, you know, how she's been pr- progressing. She, to me, is is somebody who's still at the level where I would say she's far from being ready for like, you know, like a prominent singles title challenger role but i think she's showing constant improvement and i thought she did decent here
1: we got the announcement of their first uk show they just said london in 2023 okay that's a big range so just hold off everything on your calendar for the next year one of those days were coming. Um, also on the show, they announced uh, some new markets as well. February 22nd, they're going to Phoenix. And then March 1st and March 3rd, they'll be doing a live Dynamite. And then two days later, a live Rampage at the Cow Palace in San Francisco. So a, a, a historic building in the Cow Palace. So, um, and that's probably going to be the next pay-per-view weekend, which has been rumored to be taking place in the Bay Area. So that's probably, um, I would guess, Revolution Weekend, which you would think they announce on the pay-per-view this weekend. Final, uh, well, first we had the Rampage lineup. So Friday's got Kingston and Ortiz against Akiyama and Takeshita, Lance Archer and Ricky Starks in the tournament match. Hook versus Lee Moriarty for the FTW title, and Athena against the most consistently booked talent on the roster, Madison Rain.
0: As opposed to...
1: I feel mad on a, on a roster where we talk about like where's this person and where does this person disappear. I feel Madison Rain is on television every single week with a match. Hmm.
0: Well, I mean, we're, we assume that she's always there because she's got some other role, and maybe they sometimes just need a body. I I, I don't have much. They do. They are not in need of bodies in this company.
1: They have plenty of them. Hmm. Um, but anyway, that is Friday's show, and then uh, John Moxley came out for the final segment with Regal and stated that he is the best pro wrestler on the planet. And he was definitely getting a mixed reaction here from from the crowd. He said he talks shit and he backs it up. I've traveled the world to find the toughest challenges. I have defined the AEW World Championship, and I'm sick in the head with my love of fighting. You can't hurt me because I don't care. That's how you summarize John Moxley. And he did some research on MJF, and he learned that he's a good singer, he has one win in this ring in the last six months, took a summer vacation after doing some Brian Pillman stuff, and then returned with a Halloween mask, and someone handed him a poker chip in the worst ending to a ladder match I've ever seen, and now he has a title match. So sorry if I'm not shaking in my boots. <laughs> he got a little tongue-tied here, but I thought this was a pretty amusing uh, summary of MJF's year. People see the perfectly curated MJF with his rehearsed speeches. I see a man that's insecure and full of fear that he is worried he won't live up to the hype. MJF isn't challenging me. I'm challenging MJF to prove he has the guts and the balls and why people think he will be the future. That's what he has to prove. So out comes Stokely Hathaway and then Lee Moriarty rushes the ring followed by the firm and they beat down Moxley. They're holding Regal in the corner when MJF's music plays and he comes down. He dispatches the firm and then MJF uh, drops Ethan Page at the end. And MJF says that he didn't save Moxley because he likes him. He doesn't want to hear any excuses from Moxley's Mark fan club after he beats him on Saturday. He doesn't need a dynamite ring to win. His goal was to become the best in the world, and he knows that he's in the fight of his life on Saturday, but he's not the same kid who fought Moxley two years ago for that, that belt. You can dump me on my head, I will bleed buckets, you can snap my ligaments and my joints, but I won't stop because I need that title more than I need food, water, and oxygen, which is absolutely false. You, you need those three things more than a championship belt. That's just a fact. But all the fans cheered. Like, yeah, oxygen deprivation. Um. You'd lose the title if you gave up any of these things. You would not be able to defend this title in a, in a healthy manner. He heard Moxley say that he isn't the devil. And he says that the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing you he didn't exist. And the devil will be there. On Saturday, which maybe will be a line we come back to and Moxley cuts him off as he's doing his catchphrase. And tells him, I never saw the big deal about you. And we'll find out this weekend if you can reach down. Because if you can't, I'll rip it out of you. And then he forgets what night the pay-per-view is on. Is it Sunday? Is it Saturday? What the hell's going on? Well, this Saturday, the training wheels are coming off. And then he bumps into his shoulder as he leaves the ring. And that is how the show concluded going into,
0: well, we got Rampage Friday. And then the Mm pay-per-view. A really strong... Closing segment. Um, I I like it whenever they have just two guys speaking, you know, heading into a pay-per-view. They could have had these two wrestle, but I feel like the grandeur of the, of the match itself um, it feels more significant. Just hearing these two great promos get into the ring to cut some very good promos. Most interesting, of course, is MJF and sort of his status as pseudo babyface right now. I feel like the act is still incredibly thick of him coming out there doing a very baby face sort of comeback against the firm, including like, you know, it's amusing to me to watch MJF do all of this because I think you see in his mind, um, what are the cliche baby face things that a baby face would do in this sort of scenario. And, and there are things like, you know, uh, it, here's the giant that's opposing him. I'm going to kick him in the nuts and I'm going to poke him in the eye, you know, like, And and it's like, you know, uh, ending, ending your, your promos, you know, in a chant, a long phrase. And I thought he did it really well. The key moment for me in this entire segment was when he turned to William Regal and he said, no diamond ring necessary. Ain't that right, Will? So I feel they are. I mean, I I mean, it's obvious they are heavily teasing some sort of William Regal involvement uh, as William Regal, of course, is holding the brass knuckles. No diamond ring, but will there be a set of brass knucks to help MJF? We we shall wait to see. It's almost like, you know, what, they, what if what if he gives a gift to MJF before he boards <laughs> the flight to uh, New Jersey? I mean that that would do it as well, wouldn't it? But yeah, um,
1: yeah, it's interesting. It's funny because MJF did he's doing media for the show on Saturday, and he, I think it was the interview with the New York Post, and he actually brought up the what he thinks is like the biggest mistake. A character can make is when you make that turn from like a heel to a baby face, changing all of your presentation that all of a sudden you're this this good guy and you change everything about the presentation. It's like that is the biggest mistake you can make. And and you certainly saw in this segment like it, it did feel like he, he's laying it on a lot and it's and it's awkward to see him in this this role kind of it's it does feel like they are very much telegraphing this but you're still unsure going into Saturday which is a fine dynamic to have but it's kind of interesting that this match and I would say Soraya and Baker you have two matches that it's like the audience like you've really kind of just throwing these characters out and it's like you figure it out yeah, big difference, in my opinion, though, between. Those I'm not groups. saying they're the I, same in terms of effectiveness, but I do think like the crowd, like they're going into this and it's like, I don't know how the crowd will necessarily react.
0: Well, they sure there's an X factor to both of them about whether or not, you know, um what's how the crowd will react. But I feel like in the case of Mox versus MJF, it's been very deliberate and very controlled. You know, whatever reaction that I think they're trying to get, I feel like they're doing a very effective job of it. I
1: and think- it's going to be a monster pop for him winning like winning well, the title. And I think that's going to sway, like the audience, I feel they've swayed it. Like you want to see history go down on Saturday, the way they've set this up. Like this is this historical match that will mean a lot in the years to come. And I think this audience is going to want to see like, what's, what's the more significant outcome Moxley retaining in his latest defense or MJF's first championship win. And I think they've guided this audience that it's going to be a very pro MJF crowd, which you certainly run the risk of if it's just incredible reaction especially for the title win and then you do a turn at the end which
0: um could sour people at the end as well i i i'm giving them a bit more credit you know to to perhaps like you know even outsmart um certainly us and maybe other people that that probably assume that they know how how it's all going to end um it you know it could end up in a straight up like baby face win it could he could turn you know earlier in the match we we don't really know and he could not win you know he could leave the the the, the, the event without winning the championships that, that, that's always possible as well but i'm i'm on for the ride and i have full confidence in these two to to be able to tell a, a story that i think will surprise and and will be very satisfying by the end
1: i think it's going to be a great match and i think mm-hmm. more importantly i think like you're right like the difference of this and like the environment's going to be awesome. Like I feel like the atmosphere is going to be like one of those big Cena matches where it was a really compelling story, and it's the crowd is just lit for the whole match. Like I think it's going to be a really hot
0: match. And I don't, I don't think you're guaranteed an anti-Mox crowd at all. Like you know, I, I think Mox is so beloved. You know, no, anywhere, you're right. You're right. Yeah, that that it could be a lot more 50 It could, it could even be anti-MJF. Um, you know, but but that might be even a bit tougher.
1: I think they go with MJF in the in this match. I think you put the title on him.
0: That's my prediction as well.
1: Yeah, uh, let's let's look at some of the other matches. Uh, the acclaimed and Swerve in our glory. So they had the the phenomenal match at All Out, uh, so so match at Grand Slam. So this is their their third stab at it, and. Um, I, I think this should be pretty pretty strong, to be quite honest. I, I've really enjoyed Swerve um, in more of this defined heel role at this point. And I think that um, yeah, I'm kind of interested how late they put this on in the show or early for that matter. But um, I, I see the acclaimed retaining.
0: Yeah, I'm not so certain. You know, like I, I know a lot of people are expecting Swerve and, and Keith Lee to break up soon after this. I. I contend that there's a lot lo- more life in sort of that team before you go on to do the breakup. Um, and I also feel like as champions, they're a lot more capable of having really, you know, like hot matches than as great as I love the acclaimed. I I, I don't really trust the division with them as much. Plus, you're talking about FTR who are waiting. Um, obviously, you could do a baby, double babyface FTR versus a clade match. They have, they've they've kind of teased FTR against uh, both of the teams. But I personally feel like, you know, mm, another... They've already done that match, haven't they? Swervin Lee versus um, FTR. Yes. Right. I mean, I could see a rematch, but yeah, sure. That
1: was the number one contenders match to set this up. Yeah, I, I agree on, on that side of things. Like, really the acclaimed. Like, it was the chase that was the enjoyable part. Like, once they got the belts, like, you're right. It's like they really don't need them long term. Like, they are an act that I think is so ingrained in the show that with or without the belts, they're... They're not going to suffer any any kind of loss in popularity. So, yeah. cer- certainly, if, if you're looking at FTR, the more attractive match is Lee and Swerve.
0: Mm-hmm. So, what's your pick? I'm still I'll stay I'll stay with the Acclaimed. That was my pick. I think ultimately I'm going to stay with the Acclaimed as well, but I certainly don't think it's a you know minus two thousand favorite to put some game. money down. Then way. Well, that would that would go against my my integrity as a you know professional here.
1: Okay, well, uh, this line's a lot closer. Tony Storm minus one forty against Jamie Hader plus one hundred. I think this match is going to be very good. That's interesting too. Yeah,
0: um, who do you go with?
1: I think they, I think they leave it with Tony Storm, and I feel that there's, I'll, I'll say Storm. I think they have more to do with her at, at this point. Although, yeah, I, I, I don't think you put it on Hader at, at this juncture.
0: I think Tony Storm as well. Um, you know, for one, I feel like she's a much stronger promo than, uh, what we've got, got to hear out of Jamie Hader thus far. I think Hater's story with Britt Baker doesn't need a championship to be told. Um, I also think Tony Khan really likes having Tony Storm, you know, be a weekly sort of a showcase, um, um, wrestler on dynamite you know she he, she's been very consistently featured on on the show and i think he he's probably go, going to want to keep that up you of course have thunder rosa waiting for that match as well to to reclaim to do the champion versus champion type of thing um so i think storm keeps it but yeah do we get the the Britt baker hater breakup definitively at the end of this
1: that would seem like a lot to have baker involved in this show doing like some kind of angle and the match oh I'll, I'll she's say, got no.
0: Yeah, you're right because she's got the Sorea thing. Yeah, okay, yeah, I mean, they could they could probably draw that out. Maybe not tonight.
1: Jericho, Danielson, Claudio, and Sammy Guevara for the ROH title. Jericho is a minus two forty favorite. Sammy Guevara is the biggest underdog, plus one thousand. So,
0: okay, About the, the uh, maybe he's going to come out winning. with
1: boxing gloves on. Maybe he's going to wrestle in boxing
0: gloves. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe he'll um. Yeah, no, nothing nothing to follow B- up there. Based
1: on the setup of Guevara doing the right thing, I see Jericho somehow pinning Guevara without Guevara uh, and kind of teasing some issue with, with those two coming coming out of this. And it's Guevara like, did he do that on purpose? Or did Jericho take advantage of Guevara while he was injured or something like that to save the title? I, I, th- I think that would be – I think Jericho
0: 100% has to retain here. You're, you're picking Sammy pinning? or St- No, Sammy no Jericho pinning Sammy. Oh okay. Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot actually. Yeah. Um going to going to agree with you.
1: Jade Cargill and Nyla Rose. Uh this is a, the other minus 2000 favorite in Jade Cargill. Um I I've not hated this this build up. I I think it's been been fine to be quite honest. Um I'm interested to see the kind of match they have because um, you know, it's it's an impressive spot at the end to do jaded on on Nyla Rose and the way they've set this up is like Jade regaining the title she has. So um yeah, I do long term if like if people are kind of tiring on the Jade formula, I don't think they're necessarily there yet, but part of that is also I don't feel they've really built up that person in waiting that is the big showdown at, at the end. Like they have not hinted at, at that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, agreed. Um, I'm. I how much time do you think these two will get? Because that'll that'll kind of be a a lot of um, how I feel like I might enjoy it. Like if it's just another kind of Jade showcase match, I it'll be. I feel this is going to go. I I think just under ten.
1: I think it's going to yeah. go a little
0: longer. Yeah, Jade always has you know a real challenge trying to you know um have a memorable performance in these sort of loaded pay-per-views that uh, have so many veterans on them, right? Um, Nyla Rose, of course, is a veteran herself. So I feel like, you know, she stands a good chance here, but I, to me, the challenge is, will I remember this match by the end of the night?
1: Of the 11 matches, we'll quiz you on the, on the, on the
0: post show. There's probably going to be more. We'll You're right. You have talked uh, about the buy-in
1: Yeah, They haven't announced officially any matches yet for the buy-in. So, I mean, Friday, the, they'll probably like There very well, could be more matches to come on this. Like if they end up doing that semifinal match on, on the buy-in that's, that's minimum one, um, Jeff Jarrett, Jay lethal against sting and Darby Allen. I don't think you tinker with this formula. I think sting and Darby win. And I don't know if that signals the end of Jeff Jarrett for now, but, um, I, I think this, I, I do feel like this will continue the, the sting run of, uh, quality pay per view matches um that you can put this anywhere on the pay per view and it's its own unique thing that this crowd will be into. And it's and it feels like it's been a while since we've got one of these Sting matches. Like I guess they haven't won the, they haven't done it since the House of Black match at Grand Slam. So you've been it's been two months since you've done a, a Sting match. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no, it'll be fine. I mean, I th- tend to think they're they might actually be good buffer matches, you know, between, you know, a, a great semi-main and the main event. Um just kind of Darby jumping all over the place, Sting flying off the balcony somewhere. Uh maybe a big spot from Jeff Jarrett. Maybe maybe he'll do a big dive. That'll I'm, silence the doubters. I'm sure him and Darby will do something crazy together. Okay. Maybe so. well maybe that that'll justify this entire thing.
1: Luchasaurus and Jack Perry in the steel cage match.
0: Is someone coming off of the cage? Someone coming off the cage. Okay. Um I uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I'm not that excited for this, you know? Like I feel like we've we've um just kind of dealt with this story for so long that by the time they've got to this match, it it really doesn't feel like the program is is I don't know, that that fresh nor that hot anymore. So I hope these two have a really great match, you know, and, and and this really does, I think, have a chance of stealing the show. Um, and hopefully they could end the program on a strong note.
1: And then rounding things up, oh, well, we got two more here. So Wardlow, Samoa Joe, Powerhouse Hobbs for the TNT title.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a big man uh, slapping meat type, type of match. Um, who needs it? I mean, Wardlow's probably going to keep the championship. Right. You
1: would think, although you do have a situation here where you could lose the title without being beat, which I don't think would be met with. Uh,
0: I, I don't think that would be met positively. And who gets it, though? I don't think Joe's going to take it. He's got the TV title. Hobbs. Hot. I don't necessarily know if like. Hobbs is hot enough right now to, to get that championship. Not that you have to be. This could be the way there. Well, the the question is, are, are they done with with. Wardlow as TNT champion, and and where do you move him on to if not a TNT level?
1: Well, I think you have to do something with Joe coming out of this. This feels like the to do that whole breakup, and this is the payoff. I I feel you have to extend this uh, beyond this pay per view. So, right, um, I, like a title change would not shock me. Um, Wardlow does need some something to like shake things up with him, but it it is also well, it's. A match that I I feel as much it's as much about Hobbs in this match really kind of because ha- the issue is Wardlow and Joe and and having Hobbs uh, have something as well coming out of this.
0: Yeah, I mean the the issue really is Wardlow and Hobbs and, and Joe recently. Um, well, not anymore. Joe just totally stole that thunder. Yeah, kind of because he's yeah. not a victim. No there's very much a feeling of just like kind of cramming, you know, people in, on the show. And and maybe more so just with Samoa Joe cuz I think Warlow and Hobbs, you know, is something that they have spent a lot of time building up. Joe certainly adds a lot more star power in it though, so maybe that's the reason why he's there.
1: And then death triangle against the Elite for the trios titles. Is there any conceivable argument about the Elite losing?
0: Yeah, I think so. Um again, I don't necessarily think the Elite need to win um in order to <laughs> be stars, you know, they're already stars, arguably the biggest stars, you know, the, in, 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 on this card. So, um, you know, would it be more beneficial to have death Triangle squeak out a victory, maybe via bell hammer, you know, to solidify a heel turn for those three, and also maintain their status in the division to build up to a rematch?
1: I would say the only way you could get away with the elite losing is you pretty much have a match of the year contender and it just gets to Mm -hmm. such a level that the outcome is almost immaterial because they watch something phenomenal. And I mean, this could very well be um, one of the better matches of the year. It certainly has that potential. Um, Yeah, I, I, I I would not be beating these guys coming back. I, I think that this is going to be the most anticipated match of the night for many people.
0: And, um, yeah, I, I, I guess I, I only suggest like no for the reasons I stated, but also you have to very be careful to make the death triangle not look like placeholders while the elite were away. You know, people that were keeping the belt warm while the elite were away. And what by the time they're here, you just give the belts back to them because um, they've been doing great. And, and I think they probably want to maintain that level of importance in the audience's eyes. Or is this the breakup? you know packing getting the lucha brothers to cheat and uh whether or not they maybe they won't go with it could that be it
1: there's a few different ways that that you can go there there's also probably the the idea of maybe the elite wanting to come back and and lose coming back like not not wanting uh you know the big victory uh coming back almost as like a a sign to everybody but um I think just for for what I think this company needs right now, I think like this was the initial direction of the Trios division and I think that this gets it back on track and I've got to say like on, on a show like this I I could very well
0: see this being the uh the clear cut match of the night. See, that is what the company needed at a time when CM Punk was around. Without CM Punk around is Kenny Omega that much more needed in the singles division, especially if you if you have a heel champion in an MJF
1: I, I, I don't see an argument why he can't be involved in, in, in both, um, at, the, at the same time. I think it depends where you're going after this, um, after this pay per view. Um, if, if you want to, like, what, what's the best role for these guys coming back? Is it the, the trios division? Is it going elsewhere? Like, I think you can get a lot of mileage out of them just really establishing these trios belts and, and like, like these are titles that you, you can headline shows when they're on these guys, um, as well and really get the division going which um yeah, I, th- I think it got off to a fine start but i think that like this whole mess kind of just kind of stopped the the momentum of the division which had that incredible tournament and then you had to strip the champions
0: immediately we also have to talk about um the house of black you know they've been teasing their return do we do we get that at, at full gear yeah i guess that's possible um maybe um
1: Maybe they come back for revenge on Sting and Darby and, and Jeff Jarrett's part of the House of Black.
0: Why his newest, not his newest group? Yeah, if you're Bullet Club for life, you're you could probably be House of Black for life too. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, that's the card. Which, as I go through it now, um, the pay per view starts at eight. What time is this pay per view going to end that way?
0: Midnight or uh, later? They do have a cutoff, don't they? Like, don't, like there's a pay per view window. Is is there not? Twelve is.
1: I feel this one's going to go till about twelve. I'm thinking we get yeah. a four four hour show plus a buy in, so like we're probably looking at five
0: hours. Hmm. I'm going to say about eleven forty five. You know, wh- when does the press conference end? Uh, that's the better question. I, I don't. When when does our post show end? That's what that's what I want to know. Uh,
1: probably seven a.m. in the morning. We did not think about this too uh, too intently. I'm I'm going to die on Sunday. That's that's what's going to happen. Uh, But there you have it. Uh, That's going to wrap things up. Thanks to everybody for joining us tonight. Again, we hope to see many of you uh, this Saturday at QXT's Nightclub, 248 Mulberry Street in Newark, New Jersey. Tickets, once again, they can be purchased last minute, postwrestling.com slash live or
0: at the door on Saturday. Are you ready to go to some feedback, John? Oh, yeah. We've got that as well. (laughs) We have quite a bit of it here. And we want to thank, of course, all of you guys joining us live, including somebody who's claiming to be the guy who played Keith Lee in the Acclaimed video.
1: Okay, let's hear from um, him.
0: Let's hear his argument, first of all. Okay, Malcolm here says, Hey, everyone, I was the guy who impersonated Keith Lee in the Acclaimed music video. Um, Hanzi is saying, Really, Malcolm, or are you sports entertaining right now? <laughs> Malcolm says, Nope, I'm 100% serious. I'm a prof- professional wrestler from New Jersey who trained with the Acclaimed, and they asked me to be part of the music video. Okay, well... Um, I, th- I take his word for it. You know, what? John Ceno, all the ultimate fact checker here, uh, most times he says, oh, it, huh? oh, it's him. He's part of the Up Next Facebook group as well. Okay. So, you know what? I, I trust Ceno. So, uh, hey, we are joined by the fake Keith Lee. Oh. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome, fake Keith Lee. Very cool. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> speaking of John Ceno, he sends a $5 super chat to, to ask, is the post five-year anniversary on Saturday or is it Sunday? Well, uh, it's Saturday, which means John Moxley, if he was invited, would probably show up the next day. <laughs> thank you so much, Sino. Dicky Bird sends five dollars Australian to say, "Are the tournament semifinals being held at QXC's nightclub before full gear?" Uh, t- show up and, and find out. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe maybe they'll have yeah. to find a slot. And maybe Fire our- Frank will be a replacement for somebody. Could be. Uh, thank you so much, Dicky. Uh, Dicky will also be running predictions in the Discord during full gear as well. Okay. So. Those of you guys uh, who aren't choosing to show up in QXD's nightclub, uh, you can enjoy the festivities through postwrestling.com slash discord on Saturday. Hanzi sends a super chat to say MJF took a minor dig at Punk in the post-Dynamite promo. Did he? Okay. What did he say? Let us know, Hanzi. Very curious. Um, EVP of Talent Relations sends $2 because he wants our takes on Max and Checo. You went over this. but We talked about it on Monday. We did talk about it on Monday, so I would encourage you to go go back to to kind of listen to that. Um, I
1: didn't see the race, so I didn't have much of a reaction to it, but we we did discuss it.
0: Yeah, still seems like very much a, a war of words. Uh, a lot of heat, speculation, a lot of he said, she said. I, I don't know if we exactly know what Max Verstappen's sort of a issue with with uh, Checo is. I think it'll it honestly all comes down to to the race on Sunday. You know, um, they're billing this, John. Should because- we just stay up straight and watch Abu Dhabi at eight AM? well we we have to fly back at some point so we don't know. we don't we don't fly back till noon dude the the race is in the afternoon wait when is no, the it's, race No, it's I don't eight in the, it's 8 in the morning oh it is yeah. okay well we have to get to the airport i suppose but yeah let's just stay up yeah let's just watch once the race on sunday that's perfect yes but but you know they're billing this john as the battle for second because of course both the constructors and the drivers championships have already been won so it's like that's fine that's compelling it, it's it's as the best that they can do because uh, Leclerc and and, and uh, Checo are tied for second place with uh, two hundred ninety points each. And Verstappen has said that he will help Perez win uh, if if need be. So we shall really see if that situation arises. I love it. I love it too. Yeah. Finally, Rob McDonald sends five dollars to say, "I wish they established MJF as a heel tonight." Now we have the third pay per view in a row with a face face main event. Not since Page versus Cole at Revolution. Hmm. Yeah, um, there's there's a it was certainly an interesting play, I'll say, you know, for MJF to go into this pay-per-view playing this pseudo babyface character. I think by the time it's all revealed, it will probably make a lot of sense. Uh, I also wonder, yeah, what 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 there, what sort of like pre, you know, what
1: what sells this show more effectively? If you had had a, a straight heel babyface dynamic accompanied by like the elite coming up versus this build like the number will tell us something like if this do like it, it it's going to be tough for this to beat. I think last year's full gear was 155 so I think this is going to be the second show in a row that they don't beat the prior years 155 would be if they hit 155 then I would say MJF Moxley and the elite those would be your, your key reasons like those are the five that are moving this number
0: right yeah and obviously the lack of CM Punk you know so yeah, yeah. we'll see we'll see All right. Thanks, everyone, for the uh, the super chats. We'll go over to the forum and
1: Alex Patel writes, not really sure what to make of the ending. Not Mox's best work. Seemed like a sketch show instead of a blood feud. I feel like this would have been better if not as overbooked with the Stokely guys getting involved. It was hot enough with just the two of them and Regal
0: that's a very fair point of criticism you know like when it was strictly mox and mjf cutting promos on each other um and if they just kind of continue to build on that the way we've seen with mjf feuds in the past just kind of picking at at moxley's character and, and and moxley retorting and doing the same would this program be hotter than it is now very good question um i haven't loved you know the, the firm's involvement thus far either i will also maybe wait to to you know, make judgment until like after the story is over, you know does, on Saturday,
1: does it not feel like a year ago that the last go home segment we had going into all out was ace Steele cutting the promo of his life Jesus. and then c m Punk going into the crowd doing that <laughs> crazy like sermon yeah. in Chicago like yeah. that was just unbelievable, and that feels like it was a year ago,
0: like the week when we were celebrating ace steel as like this I is mean, the highlight of his career yeah. this promo he was awesome on that show that was that was the biggest week uh, i'm sure by far of his entire career career you know to, to go from wednesday being celebrated as just like oh what, where has this guy been in his whole life you know i can't wait to see more of Ace steel to buy the saturday <laughs> like fighting <laughs> you know like and probably not 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 to be seen in at least in this company um maybe forever um. So, really interesting week that he had. That did feel like a long time ago. That'll be the title of his autobiography.
1: A really interesting week by Ace Steele.
0: <laughs> Muggin says, "My gut tells me that Friedman and the firm are still in cahoots. It would break my heart to see the BCC break up before the JAS do." Death Triangle versus Top Flight and AR Fox was the match of the night, and the Elite's return was a scene from a mile away. Outcome: a solid go home show. It should and- have been seen from a mile away. Like that was the, like we don't have to trick people like it's like you're selling a
1: show and this show needs as much of a push as possible. You are down your big star. Like you can't be just, Hey, spend your 50 bucks and like, maybe you'll get the elite. Hopefully not. Like sometimes that works. Like there's been times that strategy has worked. I don't think this is the time for that. I think you needed to make it very clear. Um, that you have your main event and then you have your elite that's your one two punch on this pay-per-view and you needed to make that
0: very clear. I think in watching wrestling, you know like it's it's always a good reminder to realize that the goal of a wrestling promoter is to not necessarily make us guess about an outcome, it's to make us interested in watching the next episode. And that really comes before all else, you know, that and that was the case with the the white rabbit stuff as well. You know, it, it, you just ha- you're not trying to necessarily surprise too many people. You're just trying to keep them interested enough to watch the next episode. And I, I think they especially needed to do that tonight. Just, you know, considering how important they are to this pay-per-view.
1: Last word goes here to Michael Rivera. I thought it was an okay show overall. The acclaimed had one awesome music video. The Samoa Joe promo was short and sweet, and Bandito had a good showing against Ethan Page. I can't wait to see Bandito and Claudio go at it down the line. The Mox MGF segment was mid. If I was being sold on that one segment alone, I would have skipped the pay-per-view. It does feel a bit paint-by-numbers, packing a hot opener, a taste of pre-match physicality, surprise opponents, stare-downs, long-overdue video packages, and fiery promos for the last week. A culmination of big matches that should feel bigger, yet their victims to an overstuffed show layout week after week it's all good stuff but just too hurried to be great
0: I definitely agree with the overstuffing of the show um, did it like they've always been overstuffed though you know and, and like previous AEW pay-per-views I feel like you know um, I don't I never since that sort of negativity um, like was it overstuffed to the point that it was particularly detrimental to this particular build I don't necessarily feel that way like if anything it i i think it's the whole punk and elite drama that's probably cast a you know pretty negative shadow that's over you know overtaken a lot of of the stories that they've been trying to build
1: yeah this is um it's one of the more interesting pay-per-view numbers in some time because it's going to answer several questions like what the impact of punk has um on the show, what, what the effect of all the, the all out stuff has on just the AEW consumer uh, coming back. And, you know, some of like the build to this, like there was a lot of negativity towards Jeff Jarrett. And I wouldn't say Mm -hmm. in like the good kind of way, um, to me, it was, it was more so just a, um, a sentiment against the company of just it seemed like a pretty vocal side of people that did not want to see this direction, fair or not, of what Chip Jarrett represents. And and then you, you couple it like this is you know, I, I wouldn't say on paper this is like this as deep as some of the AEW shows, but I still feel like it should be a pretty good show overall. But it's it's really to me, this show is being built off of it's drawing off of two matches. And I think that that's very clear. And the rest is um cool.
0: was it a mistake not to have Brian Danielson in a more prominent match on the show? Yeah, possible. Um, Or Chris Jericho for that matter, you know? Yeah. We know he's kind of an ROH guy right now. They're clearly kind of setting that up, you know, for, for him to have a prime role at final battle, but you know, was this a more important show for him to have a big match on? Well, that's the balancing
1: act is that that match with Claudio is probably carrying final battle. And, is that more effective on a final battle that's going to come nowhere close to this show? Buy wise that Jericho and Claudia would it have would it have boosted this show at all, or is that viewer already buying full gear that you might as well save it for the secondary show?
0: Yeah, I don't know if Claudio versus Jericho again would have made any sort of difference, like to to um uh full gear. Danielson um, and Junakiyama, what would that have added oh, to this paper? Forget it, forget it. Yeah, no, Eddie Kingston not on the show either. Yeah, which, I mean,
1: you know, it, it just seems like he, like, th- as we've said, there's going to be people in these pay-per-view cycles that are odd men out, and he's one of
0: them. What if at the end of Rampage, they're like, tomorrow night, Eddie Kingston, Junaki I know that there's people that expect that Junaki
1: gets added to, like, the buy-in or something the next night. Like, he's going to be there. Like, that's,
0: honestly, like, if you're catering to this, to this particular audience, I think that's strong enough to, to be one of 14 matches on a pay-per-view you know i don't really
1: care if it's if it's on the paper or if it's on the show i i think that's a cool addition if they end up doing it the next night um yeah which they, they very well could out of that tag match and you do king sin and akiyama the next night i mean mm-hmm. that's that's really setting the bar high for 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 a buy-in potentially all right uh that is officially the end of, dude were we
0: recording <laughs> shut the fuck up man <laughs> the worst thing you could tell <laughs> tell somebody who's just gone through that <laughs> all right that is it uh postwrestling.com <laughs>
1: really go check out MCU see you later and uh we'll see you uh,
0: later in newark an asshole
2: this is it's uh five forty eight in the morning uh calling you from uh the parking lot of my job and i just wanted to leave uh a memory uh i remember when uh John Pollock uh oh by the way this is Brandon from New Jersey um I just I'm sorry I just <laughs> I just I, I remember when I I sent uh, an email from John recognized the name and uh yeah man I, I can't believe this guy recognized who I was uh I guess from the shirt all days uh dot com, when I was a shit poster on on their forums and whatnot ever since then I've made a uh, tremendous friends in the community and uh friends that I'll cherish forever like Davey Braden, John Ceno uh, Fire Frank, Moo uh, Chris Leone, Leroux Dickie Bird. Because of the community you guys fostered, you and Wei I would never have been friends with those guys that are friends forever basically and I would never have gone to great lengths to be annoying uh, on on said podcast and whatnot, uh, uh, and uh, traveling to Canada multiple times to See my said friends and, and you guys, uh, who I can, I guess we can call each other friends. I hope so. I mean, if not, it's cool. You know what I mean? But, uh, anyway, uh, here's to five years and to, uh, five more of, uh, a decade. Here's to a decade of excellence, maybe. And, uh, more, more annoying calls to come. Uh, thank you.